blessing she is. She put up with Pastor John for a long, long time. There's a lot of truth to that statement, too. So, How's everybody doing today? All right. It's a beautiful day out there. and a little cool this morning, but beautiful, very pretty. We've had some pretty good weather. I just... You combine this with the, the winter that we've had, this has been kind of nice, hasn't it? Sunshine and stuff. Um, well, we're going to talk about uh, standing firm today and uh, go through a number of different scriptures. I struggle sometimes, like especially for something like this. You know, this is kind of like the good old days, of which for some of you, you remember the good old days of the, the smaller charismatic Bible studies in people's houses. Some of you went to some of those back in the day, and uh, there was a lot of fun attached to some of those things, to be honest with you, where you could um, go through some things in greater detail and things like this. So sometimes preparing for something like this, I kind of struggle not wanting to do too many things, so I always have to go through and condense so we can get out of here before 2 o'clock, all right? <laughs> so uh, we're actually just going to cover a few things out of Ephesians and, uh, and really just a few th- topics, really, about truth, righteousness, and peace really from Ephesians 6, about standing firm. You know, all of us, as we uh, navigate things and as we um, navigate life, um, we have opportunities to either stand firm or to yield, to basically either give up, quit, allow forces, um, thoughts, different types of things to, uh, to impact us. And how many of you know, I mean, life is life. And, uh, man, things happen. You know, this is not the only thing you're going to do today. Okay, and so you got up. You had things that you um, needed to do this morning. After this is over here in about 30 minutes, you're going to go do something. You'll have other things. And uh, depending upon that, uh, what you're doing. And, uh, I mean, life just goes on. And before long, you know, it's 9 o'clock tonight. And you go, where did the day go? And how many of you know it starts all over again? And then if you've got, especially if you have children or things at home or whatever, I mean, or grandkids that you're chasing around, which that's the joyous part, I know. And I'm not in that season of life yet, and I'm no hurry to get there. I don't want my kids to grow up at all. Uh, I'm kind of like Pastor. I'm not quite as bad as Pastor John there because he's a mess, all right? But, uh, I mean, he's worthless already. Ryan's still at home, and he's worthless already. We can't get any work out of him. We can't get him to focus. He's already worthless. And he's not going to school till August, okay? So I'm not quite as bad as that, but uh, I tell you, it's, you know, life just goes by too quick, and things things go on. And Ephesians six talks about you're familiar with the passage of scripture where it's talking about put. We refer to it as putting on the armor of God. So you're familiar with that passage of scripture. And uh, I'm just going to read. We're not going to read through the whole thing. Well, we'll read through most of it actually. Ephesians six. Verses 10 through 18, and I'm reading it to you from the New Living Translation, and then we'll read some sections of it out of some other translations. But a final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. And uh, that phrase there about standing firm against all the strategies of the devil is important because uh, obviously, and we don't have time to go in the multiple directions you can go from there, but you know what? The enemy, for the enemy to defeat you, he has to deceive you. Because he can't, he can't, he's defeated. 
Okay, he is a defeated foe through Christ Jesus. How many of you know Jesus Christ has won the victory for us? But he uses different strategies. And the thing is that the devil, you have to um, recognize the devil, he's a good devil. I don't mean good as in characteristics. I mean he's good at being the devil. Because he's been the devil for quite some time. And he is very, um, very good at tricking and deceiving us. And he'll... He'll get us to believe things that are not accurate. Everybody in this room has had to struggle sometimes with things where you'll find yourself thinking about stuff and have to shake yourself. Wait a minute, that's stupid. Why am I thinking about that? And thoughts and things come. Circumstances rises up in our life. Or we see things, hear things, get exposed to things, whatever. And, uh, and before long, we can find ourselves, you know, there's multiple scriptures that talk about drifting away. You know, Hebrews, it talks about, you know, let's, let's don't forget the things we've heard lest we drift away. You don't tend to generally just walk away. Most people don't just open a door and walk. What do they do? They tend to drift. It's just a slow movement, and it's so slow that you don't really even realize you're moving. And, uh, you know, I'm not a huge fisherman. Now, when I was younger, my dad loved to fish. His brother, Uncle Howard, who's the, the last remaining of the three more boys, he's the last one still alive. He's my dad's youngest brother. My dad was the middle, older one. We, we called Uncle Dub. Uh, they're, they're in heaven, which that's a scary thought, to be honest with you, in some ways. But um, <laughs> Uncle Howard loved to, to fi- loves to fish. And uh, now he's getting older and he doesn't fish that much anymore. But, man, I remember countless times where we were going fishing with me, my father, Uncle Howard, and again, they when they went fishing, it literally was the sun's not up, it's really early, it, and you're there till it's dark. I mean, you're coming home, it's dark, and uh, they stayed out there all day. But you know, you can get it on a lake, a pond, or whatever, in a boat, and and they would just drift. And it's so subtle, you don't really pay attention to it. Now, I was younger, so I paid attention to everything, because I was scared to death half the time of these waves and there. But, um, and my years were back in the years when they actually would allow you, you know, reservoirs where they have the dams and they release water through those things. Great place to fish. They won't let you get close anymore because of all the people that drown. We were in that category because we were back in the years before they stopped you from getting that close. So you're... I got seasick one time at the reservoir. Because we're just bouncing all over the place. Now that you could feel. I could feel that movement. But when you're in a calmer place and stuff, and there's no anchor or anything, but you're just kind of drifting, you don't feel it. And all of a sudden, oh, we got Uncle Howard or somebody's, oh, we need to move. And you realize, man, we moved. And you didn't even feel it. That's how most of us do when it comes to the things of God. It's not, it's not like we walk out of a door. We just slowly drift. And before long, we, we've allowed thoughts, or we've allowed circumstances, or we've allowed pressure, whatever it may be. We've allowed those things, and we didn't even really feel it. Unless we were really paying attention, we didn't even really feel it. And we were, man, I, I've kind of moved a little bit here on this. And so, this passage of Scripture, and there's others in the Bible that talk about it, but this passage of Scripture is really talking about, look, you need to take up this armor of God, which we'll talk about that just very briefly, and so you can stand firm against the strategies that the enemy is going to use to try to get you to move, to try to get you to give up, to try to discourage you, to try to deceive you. There's strategies that he's going to do. 
And then he goes on there and talks about those things. He says, you'll stand firm against, back in Ephesians 6, you'll stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times, every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Read just a section of that from the message. And again, if you're not familiar with the Message Bible, it's a paraphrase. And uh, But it does a really good job in, in some sections of Scripture that, that, that just kind of brings out different shades of meaning. So this is Ephesians six thirteen through 18 from the message. It says, Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. How many of you know that's true? We are up against more than we can handle on our own. Isn't that right? Praise God for Jesus that... We don't have to handle it on our own. Take all the help you can get, every weapon God has issued, so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep each other's spirits up so that you, so that no one falls behind or drops out. Righteousness, peace, truth, righteousness, peace, faith, salvation are more than words. Learn to apply them. They're more than words. Learn to apply them. The key there is learning to apply them. They're more than just simple words. Those things about truth. And again, we're just, just for time, we're just going to talk about the first three. Truth, righteousness, and peace. But what I need to do is I need to learn those things and be able to apply them into my life as the enemy comes to try to deceive me, to employ strategies against me where I won't drift away from the things of God. I'll stand firm. You're probably more used to hearing that from a King James, New King James. Having done all to stand, stand. Right? Stand therefore. And sometimes in life, all, all you can do is just simply stand. There's been a few times in my life where literally it says, you know what, I don't know what else to do, but I'm just going to stand. There's been other times where it's, I've done everything that I know to do, and I'm, I'm just simply going to stand. So I'm going to stand. And you know what? Standing sometimes is half the battle, is it not? That I'm willing to stand. I'm not going to allow myself to be shaken, and that's where these weapons come in because they're actually, they're a foundation for us, okay? And, uh, you know, we, uh, just an illustration of, of standing. When we moved here from Oklahoma, we're selling our house in Oklahoma. Of course, I came out here first. Family's still in Oklahoma. I'm living in Pastor John's basement, believe it or not. Okay, I lived in his basement. And, uh, and I called it the Bat Cave. And that's a nice finished basement, nice room. You closed the door in that room, you couldn't see the hand in front of your face. So when you went to sleep, you could wake up the next day. It could be three in the afternoon for all you know, because it's just that dark down there. Okay, so I called it the Bat Cave. But, um, but I lived down there for a number of weeks—six weeks, seven weeks. I don't maybe longer than that. I don't remember exactly. But 
Anyway, we're selling our house in Oklahoma. So as we're going through that process, now we live in a nice neighborhood, nice area, but the Tulsa area went through a number of different uh, changes. Of course, 9-11 takes place. Tulsa had huge um, airline industry in the area, believe it or not. In fact, American Airlines had a huge um, base out of there. In fact, they maintained all of their maintenance was done in Tulsa, Oklahoma for American Airlines as a whole. I forgot the number of people that they employed. But, of course, after September 11th takes place, the airline industry really took some major hits. American Airlines laid off just a bunch of people, a lot of people. And uh, then outside of that, WorldCom, which you may not remember, but WorldCom, lots of stuff took place there. They fell apart. Lots of people went to jail over WorldCom, okay? And uh, so WorldCom had its largest office in the Tulsa area. 3,000 people lost their jobs overnight just from WorldCom. Then the Williams Company, which is Williams Communication, same thing took place. They had some issues. Thousands of people lost their job, again, overnight. They literally closed the door. over. So thousands of people, if you combine American Airlines, WorldCom, Williams Company, um, all those things took place within a few months. And uh, so thousands of people lost their jobs. In our neighborhood alone, there were 29 houses for sale. In our neighborhood alone, 29. And so we go through that, and, uh, you know, we're, and again, I'm already up here. My family's still there selling the house, etc. And uh, to condense the story, this is, you know, eventually the family comes up here and we moved into an apartment. Our house is still in the market in Oklahoma. They came at the end of March of that year. And uh, we're going, you know, we're living in a three-bedroom apartment. And, uh, you know, that's, if you've gone from apartment life to house life back to apartment life, whoo, that was really exciting. Okay. And, and it's not just a month or two. We're in there for months. And so finally we get to the early fall. Son's going to school. And I remember this is uh, early August sometime. And uh, it's been months. And uh, the house has been on the market for months. Again, it's, you know, again, the market's just horrible there. And I'm driving back. I had to take him out to Seneca Valley for early morning football stuff, you know, just before school starts. And I'm driving back. And I finally just said, and I'm, as I'm thinking about the house, and to be honest, quite frustrated, have been very frustrated. You know, it's like, this thing needs to sell so we can get a house. And blah, 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 get on with our lives here. Just get, you know. So I've been feeling pretty frustrated. So I'm driving back from Seneca Valley, you know, and it's not like it's around the corner. Like, I think they put it as far away from Cranberry as they possibly could. So... Um, so you're driving back, and I'm driving back to the interstate, and I finally said, you know what, God, this is kind of stupid. I'm feeling all the frustration. I can't do, there is absolutely nothing I can do that I haven't already done, naturally speaking. I can't change this picture at all. There's nothing, outside of giving the house away, I can't change this picture. There's nothing I can do that will change this picture. So it's stupid for me to be frustrated, worried about it, ticked off about it, whatever. So, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. There's absolutely nothing I can do. I'm going to completely rest in you. Which, of course, how many of you know you should have been doing that all along, right? But how many of you know we, some of us, stuff's got to build up a while before we finally decide to actually obey the Bible, right? 
and people in ministry are no exception. So I'm frustrated, et cetera, et cetera. That's it. I'm done. From this day forward, I'm not, I'm going to give this no thought whatsoever. I'm completely done here. It's completely in your hands. I can't change this picture anyway. There's nothing I can do. Sure, I can continue to maintain my confession, call it soul, and all this other kind of stuff, but worrying about it, thinking about it, it's never going to sell, whatever, whatever. I can't change this picture. I give, forget it. I'm done. As of right now, I'm done. I thank you that it's sold. We've, we've prayed about that in the past. Forgive me for worrying, et cetera, et cetera. I'm done. Now, that's probably 7.30 in the morning. I don't know. I forgot what time Sean had to be out there. It was early. It was like 7 in the morning. I think he had to be out there. So, you know what? That afternoon, after lunch, somebody called. they called with an offer for the house. That afternoon, they called with an offer on the house. We ended up wrapping that deal up um, really by the end of that day, I think, actually. Landed up then agreeing to the sale of the house, etc. Now, there's other stories attached to that. We didn't make hardly any money on that house, which set all kinds of other things in motion. Again, there's a lot of houses for sale. Um, I think we made about $2,300 on the sale of our house, okay? Which doesn't really set you up to buy another one. So, But that's a whole other journey that we went through. But God worked out all those steps as well. You know what? Sometimes you can't change the... There's nothing else you can do except simply what? Just stand. So I'm just going to stand. But the ability to stand is really rooted and based upon our perception of God, our image of Him, and our foundation in some of the things here where we're talking about truth, righteousness, and peace. If I don't really understand those things, again, we're just going to get highlights of it today, but if I don't really have a foundation in those things, my ability to stand is not going to be real strong. I'll constantly be wavering. You know, you know from James, if somebody's constantly wavering, what does the Bible say? To that person shouldn't expect to receive anything from God. So I've got to get a foundation that allows me to stand. Okay? So, we're going to go through some things. First of all, we'll talk about truth just a little bit. And I know for most of you in here, none of this, as far as scripture-wise, you're going to be familiar with most of these scriptures. John 17, 17 says, Make them holy. And this is Jesus saying this, this is in toward the end of the Gospel of John, and Jesus is actually praying, and He says, Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. The Word of God is truth. Again, I know for those of us in the room here this morning, that, that's not a revelation. I know you know the Word of God is truth. The key is, is getting it settled in your heart, that no matter what I see, feel, hear, think, and those are things that are easy to say. It's another thing when real life hits, to actually navigate that when circumstances are not looking good. That, okay, this doesn't look good, doesn't feel good, doesn't whatever, but I know the truth of God's Word is truth. So it is a higher authority than how I feel. It's a higher authority than what I, what I may be experiencing. I'm gonna, God's Word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 160. All you say, and this is from the contemporary English version, all you say can be trusted. Your teachings are true and will last forever. That's Psalm 119, verse 160. All you say can be trusted. Your teachings are true and will last forever. God's Word is truth. All you say is true. It's going to last forever. Joshua 23:14. You're probably familiar with this. Joshua 23:14. This is from the God's Word translation, which is a relatively new version. Um, God's Word translation. It says, Pay attention... Because I will soon die. And this is Joshua talking to the children of Israel just before he is about to die. He says, 
Pay attention, because I will soon die like everyone else. You know with all your heart and soul that not one single promise which the Lord your God has given you has ever failed to come true. Every single word has come true. Everything that God said, everything He promised us, everything He told us, you know that all those things have come true. And uh, and I know this is very, very brief and quick, but the key is, is we've got to have a foundation of truth, understanding God's Word is truth. This is the foundation that I'm going to build my life on. And uh, that will anchor me. The Word of God is referred to in the book of Hebrews, that it's an anchor to our souls. And I want to have an anchor that my life is based upon the truth of, of God's Word. I just jotted down a few things. I'm just going to just pulled a few things from a few different scriptures, just about some truth from God's Word. And, uh, and you won't have... Probably be, I'm going to read them too quick for you to try to write them down, but you'll get the gist of it. it says, and, all, and again, these are just thoughts about how God is true and what His Word says about me. Many of you in the room could come up with other things that would add to this, but God is true. He's truth. He never changes. Hebrews tells us that, as does other places. No, There's no shadow of turning in Him. He's not good one moment and bad the next, not trying to knock me off one moment and then loving me the next. He never fails. God's always faithful. He never leaves me or forsakes me. God walks with me. He prepares my way. He guides me. He directs my steps. He gives me the desires of my heart. He preserves and keeps me. He empowers me. He strengthens me, covers me, overshadows me, commands His angels to watch over me. He protects me, accepts me, and He's at work in my life. Those are just a few things very quickly and again, many of you, you can come up with other things. And I would encourage you, if you would take the chance, take the opportunity, I encourage you to take the opportunity. Now, there's things you can buy that have some of these things already written, but sometimes the most meaningful ones are the ones that we put together ourselves. Okay, so you can use the ones you buy as a guide, but make up your own. And just simply, just like that, there's just a few things. I just pulled from Psalm 91, James, and a few other places, just jotted down what those scriptures say about me. And they can become a confession to me. Again, there's things in the bookstore you can buy that have some of these things. Um, you know, God's Word, um, confession, little books and things like this you can get. But the key is, is if I'll get those things and uh, I start to write some of those things out myself, they really help me because I can begin to focus on it because I want a foundation of truth in my life. When we were pastoring in Georgia, um, we had a lady that we ran across, and I forgot how we got to meet her. She didn't live that far from us, but somehow or another we got introduced to her or whatever. And this lady was on disability for depression. Okay, and so she's literally on disability, not working for depression, and she's taking care of her granddaughter. Her daughter's life was not a very positive thing, and so her granddaughter actually is living with her. And, uh, and she actually has, um, she's actually the guardian of this. She's, it's, she's hers. She's actually receiving money for the state to take care of this child, all right? Because the daughter, the daughter had lost the child, all right? And so, because her lifestyle was a mess, to be honest with you. So, but this lady is suffering from, literally from depression. She's on medication and she can't work. She's receiving disability. For the depression, and she's receiving money from the state also to take care of this little girl. So we met her, and we began to just talk to her, found out some things about her. And so and my wife and I, we actually visited her one time, spent some time with her. And she's talking about the depression and dealing with it and how she wanted to 
you know, she's just like, I can't work, blah, blah, blah. And we said, you know, you, you can be free from that. You don't, have, you don't have to stay this way. Now, of course, again, some of this was kind of news to her, but we just kind of shared some scripture with her, and I said, you know what? The Bible talks about God's Word as medicine. And I said, an easy way to do it is just if you just take it like you would medicine. Okay? Nothing wrong with taking medicine, but you know, you can also take God's Word every day just like you would medicine. Just three times a day or whatever. Write it yourself a prescription. Take it. And so, now this is a few years ago. This is pre-computer days. This is typewriter days. So I got the typewriter out, and I typed this lady a couple pages worth of confession, specifically about depression and her thought life, etc. I typed these scriptures out. Typed the whole this whole thing out for her um, as a confession for her. We went back and saw her, and then gave it to her and stuff, and uh, gave her some instruction. Hey, God's word's medicine. You just, just like you take your other medicine, when you take those pills, whatever it is you're doing, whatever that's good, go through this right here. Don't just read it. Say it out loud. You know, and again, I wrote it in such a way she's saying these things about here, about herself. <laughs> Did you know that lady showed up at church? About two weeks later, she walked into church, and when she walked into church, you could it was physically noticeable on her face, the difference in her life. I mean, it was physically different. And, uh, and boy, you know, of course, she's different. People are even, you know, there's lots of other people in the community that knew her. Some of them attended our church. They noticed the difference in her. Of course, you know, we encourage her to go on, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, now, I would like to tell you, she kept on. She didn't, okay? Believe it or not, knowing that she's changing, she actually decided to stop. You know why? Because she allowed fear and stuff about, well, if I get better, I'm going to have to go to work. And I won't be able to take care of the girl. So she literally stopped. She stopped, knowing that she's better. But she stopped, which is kind of sad. But another story that's much, much better, ending-wise, because that lady, she literally stopped. But back in the Teen Challenge days, similar guy. This guy, young guy, this guy's name was uh, Jonathan. Great guy, but he was a mess mentally. Way back in the day, you remember model airplane glue? Some of you are a little bit older, you know, you can't even, you can't even buy this type of glue today. But what kids did is they took the glue, squirted it into a paper sack, and sniffed it. And they got high off of it. The only problem is it's like sniffing gasoline. It's frying their brain cells. Jonathan had done that as a, as a, as a kid. And he's in his early twenties by the time I meet him at Teen Challenge and stuff. And I tell you what, though, the transition in this kid's life, you know, the impact of the Word of God, somebody that will actually begin to meditate on the Word of God, have a foundation of truth in their life so that they can begin to stand. This guy, when he first showed up at Teen Challenge, his brain was so fried, he would get lost. He couldn't find his room. Okay, people would find him, wonder, where are you trying to go? I can't find my room. People would have to help him to his room, except all this other kind of stuff. And to shorten the story a little bit, through the process of months of this, by, this, this kid putting the Word of God in his heart, meditating on it, beginning to apply it to his life, by the time he left the program, um, this kid, he actually had the leading role in their little class play. He had the leading role, had the most lines to memorize, all this other kind of stuff. He was a completely different person. Now, that's after he's fried his brain with glue. 
So medical science would tell you that when you fry those things, you don't get those things back. God's Word says something different. Because I saw it. Somebody who couldn't even find his own room. The difference in the trans- transformation. And that was roughly over about a 12-month thing for him. That's about how long he was there at Teen Challenge there in Risburg. So the Word of God is truth. It's a foundation for our life. So if I, when circumstances come, I've got to have a foundation that I can stand that will enable me to stand where I'm not going to be shaken, tossed, etc. And there's other things we could talk about that we don't, we don't have time to. Let's real quick go through some of the things about righteousness. It said there in Ephesians 6, it says, Stand your ground, Ephesians 6.14, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. So, again, if I'm going to stand against the wiles, the strategies, the things the enemy is going to bring against me, number one is, is I've got to have a foundation of truth in my life, which comes from what? The Word of God. So I've got to have a foundation of truth. The Word of God is truth. So I'm going to be putting the Word of God first in my life, even one of the songs that Vicky sang. They're talking about this. It's the truth. It's the foundation of my life. And then number two, I've got to have an understanding of righteousness. And this is something which, again, I know for some of you in the room, um, you've got that pretty settled in your heart. But 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For He made Him, this is King James, New King James, For He made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. God made Jesus to be sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5.21, so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. This is probably one of the most misunderstood things for believers. And it's actually probably one of the things that believers really struggle with is right standing with God. Most people don't feel right with God. Even Christians, they don't feel right. And the reason they don't feel right is they fail to understand what Jesus did for them. He literally took your sin and He gave us God's righteousness. And I'm, that's kind of a radical thing. And I can mess with your head just a little bit. I was teaching a class at Teen Challenge. And I was actually, again, this was a few years ago, so it's not a whiteboard. It's a chalkboard. And so there's a chalkboard up over here. I'm writing on the chalkboard. I'm actually writing that Scripture, 2 Corinthians 5.21, up on the chalkboard. I'm writing it. I'm teaching a class. I don't remember what class I'm teaching. But I'm writing out 2 Corinthians 5.20. As I'm writing and talking, as I'm writing out that Scripture, God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin, and we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. As I'm writing that out, in my head, I hear this question. As I'm writing, and I'm actually even talking, I hear this question. Whose righteousness is this talking about? Whose righteousness is this? So, and I actually answer in my head. And you can look at the Scripture. Okay. For He, God, made Him, Jesus, who knew no sin, for to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. So, whose righteousness is it talking about? God's righteousness. So, I'm writing. And that's exactly what I just said. That's what I said in my head. Because I got asked. Whose righteousness is it talking about? Well, it's talking about God's righteousness. Okay, so this conversation is going on in my head and it was talking about God's righteousness. And then I got asked another question. Well, how righteous is God? You can't even answer that one, can you? Well, He is righteousness. Then again, this is going on while I'm writing on the chalkboard. Well, how righteous is God? Well, He is righteousness. And that's basically what I said. Well, you are righteousness. You're, you're it. You're the big guy. You're it. 
Then another question came. Well, then how righteous are you? That's where it starts messing with your head right there. Then how righteous are you? Because read that scripture. God the Father made Jesus to be sin for who? For us. For me, right? So that I might become or be made the righteousness of who? God in Him. So how righteous is God? He's pretty righteous. He's it, correct? Well then, if He is righteousness, then I've been made the righteousness of God in Him. The righteousness of who? Of God in Him. Then how righteous am I? I'm just as righteous as Jesus is. Woo! That messes with your head right there. Religiously speaking. Because I promise you, here's what starts happening to people. People think, wait a minute. Well, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. Having all sinned and fallen short. But guess what? I'm not standing in my own righteousness. Everybody knows that all our righteousness is as filthy rags. You ever had anybody say that, say that to you? It comes from Isaiah. You're right, and that scripture is absolutely correct. My righteousness is like filthy rags before God. How many of you know I can't stand before God in my own merits? I can't get up there and say, Woo, man, I was on fire yesterday, baby. I prayed twice. I did I can't do that. Where's that going to get me with God? Nowhere. He's going to get, well, whoop-de-do. Because I'm going to start getting some of the speeches when he starts responding to Job's foolishness that you go read the very last part of Job. He says, wait a minute. I got a few questions for you, big guy. Were you there when I formed the worlds? Were you there when I did this? No. Then who are you to start questioning my right? Blah, blah, blah. Right? So in my righteousness, I can't. So all my righteousness is as filthy rags before God. But the good news of the gospel is, is that I don't stand in mine. I stand in God's because of Jesus. I promise you, if you'll get that set, really, truly set in your life, it will change your life. It'll change the way you approach God when you realize it's not resting upon me. It's actually built upon the the foundation of God's Word and the truth that Jesus took my sin and He literally gave me God's righteousness. It's a gift. Let me show you in another scripture here. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. Romans 3, 22. This is a New Living Translation. It says, For we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Another scripture, Romans 5, 17. This one's probably pretty familiar to you. For if by the trespass or the sin of one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. The gift of righteousness. The gift. Righteousness, right standing with God, literally, it's a gift. You know why? Because you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. And there's other scriptures we could go to. Uh, we don't have time to. But uh, there's nothing I can do to earn right standing with God. It's a gift. God, He gave, gave it to me. God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made. Past tense. Made. Some translations may say become. But you become. The righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm literally standing in the righteousness of God. So how righteous is God? He's pretty righteous. And this is where your head 
will start freaking out on you when you start saying, well, then I'm ju- I have the same standing before God as Jesus does because that's who I'm standing in. That's not me. That's Jesus. But because I'm in Jesus, I can literally stand before God. Thus, Hebrews tells us, let us come boldly to the throne of grace to receive help in our time of need. You will never come boldly before God until you really understand righteousness. Because you'll never feel like you belong there. You will not feel like you belong there. You won't feel like you have a right to be there. Jesus bought us the right by dying on the cross and being raised from the dead. He shed His blood to give you the right. He shed His blood for you and for me to give us that right. So, if I'm going to stand, again, the, the focus here is about standing firm. I'm going to have a foundation from the Word of God, a truth of God's Word about all the things He's done for me. But then a key component also is I've got to have an understanding of righteousness because I'll never feel confident before God or even in life unless I really understand right. I'm right with God. God likes me. He's not mad at me. He's not trying to kill me. He's not out to get me. He literally gave me the gift of righteousness so that I could stand, so that I can stand before Him. Another scripture real quick, and then we'll go to the last one, wrap it up here. But Isaiah thirty-two seventeen, The fruit, uh, and this is from the, today's NIV, uh, it says, The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Isaiah thirty-two seventeen, The fruit of righteousness will be peace. The effect will be quietness and confidence forever, which we're going to talk about peace in a minute. But the fruit of righteousness in our life is it brings us peace. There's other scriptures, even from Romans, we can look at. We don't have time to. Proverbs 28, verse 1, and then we'll move on. Um, Proverbs 28, verse 1. A wicked person flees when no one is chasing them, but righteous people are as bold as lions. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Why can a righteous person stand? Why can a person who understands righteousness be as bold as a lion? Because they know their standing is in Christ Jesus, not in their own. Do you understand that? That is so important. And if more people, and uh, you could illustrate it, I promise you, if you had a, if you just simply went into a group of Christians, and you just simply went in there and asked this question, how many of you are righteous today? You would be Most people would go, oh, I don't know. Our natural inclination, our natural thought processes will always kick in at that question. And you know what our thoughts go to? Well, how good have I been? But did I pray yesterday? Yeah. Right? The only people that will raise their hand confidently will those that have taken the time to build a foundation of truth in God's Word which gives them the confidence to say, you know what, I'm righteous today because I know I'm not standing, I'm not in my own not-headedness, I'm standing in God. Amen? It's a gift that He gave me. That doesn't relieve us from the responsibility of living and doing the things that we should do. But we have to understand, we have to separate those two things and say, I stand clean and right before God because of Jesus, not because of me. Because how many of you know we all do sin? Do we not? We all fall short. It's We all. Praise God for the gift of righteousness. Praise God for the ability. You know what? I can stand. Why can I stand? Because Jesus made me right with God. And I can approach the throne of God with confidence. 
because he gave me that right. He gave me that ability. All right? I got to move on here so we can uh, wrap this up. Last one is about peace. Again, back in Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6, 15, it says, For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. The peace that comes from the good news of the gospel so that you will be fully prepared. Put on peace. Another translation, today's NIV says this, With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The gospel is a gospel of peace. Now, sometimes as mankind, we've relate, we've made it everything but a gospel of peace. And sometimes even preachers, we don't we don't relate it. But you know what? God's not mad at man. He sent Jesus. God was wanted to just wipe us out. He could have just wiped us out. Isn't that true? Okay. Jesus Himself said again the very famous verse that even pagans know. John three sixteen. God so loved the world that He gave. Why did He give Jesus to redeem us? But the next verse talks about. He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to redeem it. Correct? If He wanted to condemn us, He just simply could have just left us alone. He could have just let us all die in our sins and said, shake and bake, you're done. I'm going to kill you all. Isn't that true? But He didn't do that. It's the gospel of peace. It is the gospel of peace. Alright, Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been made right with God, God's in God's sight by faith. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We've been made right by Jesus, but we also have peace because of what Jesus has done for us. How many of you know life and the strategies of the enemy sure have a way of trying to steal our peace? Do they not? Okay, you can watch the news and it steals your peace. You can hear people say things and it will steal your peace. True? You can get a bad report about something and it can try to steal your peace. You can see circumstances and boy, peace can sure be fleeting. Can it not? But we can have a peace that is beyond what our circumstances, thoughts or whatever may be. Our peace is settled in what Jesus did for us. It all goes back to even the truth of the foundation of the truth of God's Word. I build a foundation of the truth of God's Word Again, we're talking about standing. So if I'm going to stand, I've got a foundation of truth. I've got an understanding that I'm right before God. He's not mad at me. He actually likes me. He's not mad at me. I can stand before God. So having done all to stand, I can stand. And I can stand with confidence. And when things come that try to shake my peace, He actually gave me peace. The verse we read a few minutes ago from Isaiah, the effect of righteousness in my life should be Peace. It actually brings peace to me. Peace of mind to me. Peace. And it doesn't mean that I won't have circumstances that come that can sure try to shake my peace. And we've all had those. Isn't that right? They can sure try to shake us. But the key is, is even when I'm being shaken, I can stand. Having done all the stand, do what? Just stand. Sometimes you just think that's to stand. And sometimes you literally just say, I'm just going to stand. I don't know what else to do. I can't do anything else. But I can stand. Lord, I'm going to stand. Nope, I'm not going to think about this. I'm not going to be moved. I can stand, though. I can stand. I'm not going to allow this to push me, shake me. A couple other scriptures real quick. Um, Psalm 119, 165. There is, there is lasting peace. This is God's Word translation. There is lasting peace for those who love your teachings. Nothing can make those people stumble. A focus on the Word of God. Boy, circumstances should sure try to make you stumble. Can they not? But peace, the Word of God. 
Lasting peace to those who love the Word. Nothing's going to make them stumble. Last scripture, um, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, 2 Timothy, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, God's Word translation. Every scripture passage is inspired by God. All of them are useful for teaching, pointing out errors, correcting people, training them for a life that is God's approval. They equip God's servants so they are completely prepared to do good things. Completely prepared. He even talked about that back in Ephesians as well. Um, you know, when you're talking about peace, you're talking about standing. Um, one other scripture, you know, from Philippians, you're familiar with Philippians 4, I'm sure. But in the New Living Translation, it, it, rather than talking about, he uses the phrase, fix your thoughts. Cast your care upon the Lord. Let your request be made known to Him. But he talks about fix your thoughts. And sometimes we have to fix our thoughts. If I'm going to stand... I'm going to take up the armor of God. The armor of God, uh, sometimes we focus on all the Roman side of the equation. It's really talking more about the other side, what the God's Word part of the equation, the truth, and about peace, and about righteousness. That if I, so when things come to try to shape me, no, I'm going to fix my thoughts. Why? How can I fix my thoughts? Because I've got a foundation of truth in the Word of God. And I know I have right standing with God. So if circumstances come against me, things try to move me, I can stand firm. Because things do come, do they not? Life does take place. Alright? Things do happen. We live in a fallen world. We live where things take place around us. Sometimes, and you know what? Sometimes there's not answers. We don't know all the reasons why. We can't figure, man, why is this going on? Sometimes we may never know the why. But the problem is, again, even one of the strategies of the enemy will be to get you to try to focus on the why so much you forget to stand. You know, sometimes why is irrelevant because it's happening. True? So if I try to figure out all the whys, I can find myself drifting away rather than standing. Okay, forget about the why. I don't understand why. Don't understand why this is going on. Can't, I have no clue what's going on here, but I can stand. So I'm going to fix my thoughts. The Word of God is true. I have a right relationship with God. So I know God's not my enemy. God's not mad at me. So I can stand. Having done all to stand, do what? Stand. And again, I encourage you, sometimes it's good to just stand. You know, there's actually been a couple of times in my life I actually took my Bible and stood on it. I'm serious, I really did. Okay, it just helped me. I'm not saying you need to do that in the middle of the parking lot at Walmart, but I'm just telling you. At that particular time, what we were what I was going through, I literally took it. It's okay, I know this is stupid, God, but it helps me, okay? I'm standing. Because this is true. No matter what all swirling around here, I know the Word of God is true. I'm not going to allow that to shake me. I know it's, I know you're my source of help. You're not my enemy. Because I have a right relationship with you. Because of Jesus, I'm right before you. So I can live in peace. I'm not going to allow these things that are trying... I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to fix my thoughts. And I'm going to let the peace of God reign in my life. Rather than letting myself get swirled all around. And if I'll do that, I can stand. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Thanks so much for your attention. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much that You help each one of us. By Your Spirit, Father God, You do equip us. Father, You enable us to stand. I thank You for the peace of God reigning and ruling each person's heart and mind here in Christ Jesus today. I thank You for a revelation of righteousness in our lives, that we truly grasp the right relationship that we have through Jesus, through Jesus Christ. Thank You, Lord Jesus for shedding Your blood for us to redeem us, 
to call us out of darkness, to place us into your marvelous light, to give us a right relationship with you. Thank you so much for righteousness. And Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, a foundation that we can build our lives upon that will allow us to stand, that when the storms of life come, our foundation stands strong. We will not be swept away. We will stand firm in the circumstances of life. We'll stand firm no matter what we feel, no matter what we see, no matter what we hear. Father, I thank you that you help each one of us stand firm in the precious promises of your, of your word. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for coming today. Have an all, enjoy the weather. This is the day we should all work outside if you gotta go to work. Melissa's gonna go home and wash clothes. Oh, okay.